0: Welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk,
1: with your host C.J. Reynolds.
0: I have a really great guest on this evening. Her, she goes by the whimsical teacher on Instagram, and I had a little fluke in the beginning there, so I usually did my normal intro, and now it's not there. But if you have any questions about anything, you can go ahead and leave them in the uh, in the box below on YouTube or on that in that box on the side if you're on you now and you can check that stuff out or like leave questions for us and we'll and we'll jump into it tonight we're talking about the use of fun in the classroom or playfulness or silliness and that's what we're going to kick it off with. As, soon as she jumps in on, on this and we will get started she just texted me that she's on her way so um yeah I've never I've never had this problem before Weird. But, you know, 17 cool. episodes in, I guess, are inevitable at some point. Oh, there's a whimsical teacher. All right, I'm going to guest you in now. I'll try and do that. Hopefully it works. Because I don't know what to talk about anymore. Connecting? Is it working? Yes.
1: Yes. Hooray. You win.
0: I was going to wear a fake mustache tonight, and then...
1: <laughs> oh, that's, that's too bad. bad.
0: Now I know better. Next time I know no, that that's what I, I do. Now you know. You look, you look fabulous like that.
1: Well thank you. This is how I, I used to go on a platform called Blab. You guys remember Blab? It was kinda like this. but You could have four people at a time. Oh really? I always wore a disguise. That was my thing. That's awesome. <laughs> you kinda
0: look like a superhero a little bit. In disguise. It is a little
1: bit. Yeah. A little bit. I wear these to school. You do? Oh yeah, kids love like, them, and they're paper. Uh, so when they rip them off my face, it's just like ten cents down the drain, you know.
0: Yeah, I hear you. That's uh, when kids try and take off my fake mustache, and then the weird thing is they try and put it back on them, and I'm like, but that was just glued to my face. It's a little like bit gross.
1: They, I like it when they take your mustache and then they stick it on their nose, and then they try yeah. to give it back to you. It's like, nah, I'm good, yeah. thanks.
0: Yes. Yeah. I have a fake mustache and beard that I used to wear when I was younger because I couldn't grow a beard, and I keep it in my desk drawer. And kids have been wearing it for like twelve years, and I—they're like, "You put it on, Mr. Reynolds." I'm like, "No, never, never again." So much nasty on that. I keep it. I never get rid of it, but it's for others to enjoy. I'm not—I'm not using that. It's like, yeah, it's—it's it's disgusting. Um, so thanks a lot for being on. I really appreciate it.
1: nose always itches as soon as I go on live cameras so it looks like I'm probably doing something bad but I'm just itching my nose I swear
0: I thought you fainted for a second I wasn't sure what happened there um so let since I'm since I'm late to the gig here because my computer I don't know why I was doing that but when you sent that picture to me of all the people that were already posting things I couldn't see any of that so uh I don't know must have been some kind of fluke we're having good luck with that today well come back yeah so let's do, can you uh, go ahead and introduce yourself for the, for the people that maybe don't know who you are?
1: Sure, uh, my name is Jessica Martin, and I go by the Whimsical Teacher Online. So I'm a little bit whimsical, I'm a little bit weird. And I'm going into my sixth year of teaching. Uh, last year I taught middle school, but before that I taught all three grade, And I subbed for a few years. I didn't become a teacher until I turned 30, so I had a bunch of weird jobs before that. So I think that's why I'm a little weird and different, have a different perspective on teaching, because I really went into it as a second career. So yeah, yeah, this year I'm gonna be a digital literacy coach. I have no idea what I'll be doing yet. So your guess is as good as mine. I don't know.
0: What's uh did you pick that that change or did the school pick it for you?
1: Uh, Yeah, they kind of picked it for me. I mean, I work at a small school. I live in the middle of the desert, town of about 1,200 people. We have uh, less than 200 kids at our school, about 12 teachers, and they had this, this grant that came up, and I was kind of a yo-yo about it all year because it was on the table, off the table, but it's going to be fun. I work at a one-to-one school. We're one-to-one Chromebooks. It's a junior high. And so it's going to be fun last year. I was a teacher with these Chromebooks and we didn't have a technology coach or specialist. And this year I'm going to be the technology coach. So I can kind of use, you know, like I know what it was like being a teacher. So I'm going to kind of use that to help the teachers. Uh, Most of our staff is close to retirement age and they're not exactly too thrilled about these old Chromebooks. So I'm going to try to get them excited to use them. So that's my goal for this year.
0: That's a great idea. Uh, So let me ask you this. So we said the topic for tonight is kind of like using fun or silliness or playfulness in class. Have you always been like the kind of person that you are now? So like, have you always been kind of like silly or I mean, that's the sense I get about you from your Instagram anyway. Um, And your glasses tell me that I'm not far off. But uh, have you been like that your whole life or, or what's that looked like in your life?
1: I have been pretty seen weird most of my life. I guess uh, I was an only child. So, I mean, I still am an only child. You just don't stop being one. You know, <laughs> oh, brothers,
0: you know late life children mm-hmm. your parents were but,
1: having. I, I, I went to college for finance and I was, and for a few years, I was just very serious about becoming a financial planner. And it was just like, it was sort of trying to fit a, a cube, you know, into a, I don't know, a, Disneyland shaped shoe or something. It was it was awkward. I did not fit into the business world. Had a bunch of my own businesses and I don't know, my first year being a teacher, I wasn't really silly and goofy. I was really serious and trying to do a good job and I got in tons of trouble that year. I made tons of mistakes. And then after that, when I just found the school that fit me and the grade level that fit me and the coworkers that fit me, then I, I kind of broke out of my shell, but it probably wasn't until I started using social media a couple years into my career that I really got weird. Cause I was like, wow. I mean, is that, I was kind of holding back a little bit, like yeah. being too weird. And then the weirder I was on social media, the more people were attracted to me and the more I liked it. So I was like, well, I mean, I guess this weirdness of working in the classroom has so kind of been this evolution of, you know, yes, I'm just naturally weird, but you know, I brought it into my teaching because of social of teachers like you that do cool things and say, hey, I kind of like that. You should do more of it. So I think I've gotten better as a teacher and more weird with the use of social media. And I've, I've become more my my real self in the profession.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Like, So growing up, I was always – I loved attention. I loved being silly. I was kind of naturally funny. I thought – not everyone thought. Um, and then <laughs> – I went to a high school that like, and I I just, I actually just put a video out on YouTube yesterday about bullying, but like where I had to like act tough, like acting silly was not an option. And then when I got out of high school, I was so used to being like a tough guy or like a seemingly tough guy. I was never tough at all, but uh, I had to pretend, I had to kind of like lose that part of myself. And then in college through a number of different things, I just, I started realizing that as well. Like I wasn't, I wasn't getting anywhere with being tough. I wasn't making the kind of friends that I wanted to make. I wasn't, it, it just wasn't as fun. And the more I let that out, like the goofier I was, I, the more I feel like I just made a better world for the people that were around me even just then. And in school, it was, I was totally, totally like closeted about it at first. Like the other teachers had no idea how, how crazy I was, but the other, the students did. And then they would talk about it and then eventually like people started being like, did you, did you really today? And I'm like, Oh, you heard about that. (laughs) So it just sort of, like you said, like it comes out slowly and now I just fully fully embrace it because it's, it's who I am and it makes the whole day better when you're like that in school. If, if you're, if it's authentic to you. Right. So like, it can't be something that's forced. Um, but yeah, it works. It works. Uh, So I'm going to ask, so here's a, I'll just ask questions from different people. I'll ruin their names and then I'll ask their question and then we'll, we'll take it from there. Um, and so Valeria Garcia asked, what? I think that was pretty good, man. I can't believe I got that. My (laughs) wife's laughing at me. What advice do you have on making friends with fellow teachers? How, How are you with like befriending other, other teachers?
1: well in real life i'm just very awkward i mean that's why i joined social media is because you know I, i worked at this school of all fifth and sixth grade teachers kind of more of a secondary feel you know they call it a middle school and you know most of the teachers were really serious i connected with one or two but i was just like gosh there must be more people that are sort of weirdos like me and that's why i joined social media to find the weirdos and i mean since i joined social media Um, I started with Periscope, Instagram, uh, I do Twitter chats, Facebook groups. I mean, since I joined and I really found my people, I mean, I've never been happier because I found people that have the same educational philosophies as I do. And I live in the middle of the desert in a very conservative area, in a very teeny tiny town, hundreds of miles away from friends and family. So, I mean, I needed that social media outlet to find my teacher friends. And now even though they're online, I've met so many of them in real life, hundreds, you know, face to face. And now I feel like, you know, I really do have my teacher community. It's just my colleagues are in New Zealand and Canada and New York, and they're not in my building necessarily, but they're, they're still around me every day, which has been a lifesaver. I don't know if I would have made it this far without that.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, I, I mean, I, I definitely have made friends at school at this school than at my previous school. But, you know, even at my previous school, I just started small and I wanted to create like a world that people wanted to be a part of. And so we would have like secret parties. Like, so at my old school, all the kids would leave for gym and for lunch. And so we wouldn't see them for over an hour. And we would like, like, out in the back of the school and, like, grill up hamburgers during our prep and stuff. Just be, just to do it. Just because it would be hilarious. And then for the opening day of baseball season, which I don't even watch sports, but I really like decorating. Uh, like, with goofy stuff. So I made, like, um, decorations for the office. And people brought in different food. And we, like, had And we watched the opening ceremonies of baseball. Just, just to do it. And that kind of stuff spending that kind of time together, it just showed me how important that is. Just like with online community also, like putting that time in and spending it with people is just gonna make you friends. And so I would say, if you don't have any friends, start with one or two people, get them and then make something that is like, that other people are going to get into and they're gonna be like, oh my goodness, like why have I been doing this the whole time? This is so awesome. Because really I feel like social is just like that. Like there are people even here on the side that, I like Miss May, one fab teacher, I don't know if you're familiar with her or, uh, or Kate, the sleepy artist she's known as now. Like I am kind of pissed that they live so far from me because I would love to (laughs) hang out with them. It's like, where have you been? You live all the way in Texas or California and I'm in New Jersey. And I really wish we lived way, way closer than that because it's, you're right. Like you find these folks and you're like, man, we should just start a school together or something.
1: That's Um, why I I go to a lot of teacher meetups. It's my new addiction. Most people in their thirties start running marathons and I go to teacher conferences so I can see all my friends, you know, that's kind of what it's, what it's come down to is, I mean, I'm so addicted now to connecting with people in real life, that that's kind of one way that we can connect are going to various teacher events, teacher meetups. I mean, there's blogger meetups. So that's what I do now, kind of for my social outlet.
0: Yeah. Is it, so? Do you go to ones that are close to you, or do you like fly out to to stuff?
1: Um. You know, i flown out. Last year, I went out to Penn State. I was actually a, a speaker with uh, Ron Clark and Ashley Schroeder and Chris Pombagno. I don't know if you know those guys or not. Hopefully, you know who Ron Clark is. He's kind of famous. Um. Yeah. And I did like that was a conference, but I was one of the speakers. So that was really cool and that was out in Pennsylvania. I live in Nevada, so that was quite a trek. And I always go to the teachers pay teachers Program, whatever city I'm in. It's it's been in Las Vegas, it's been in Orlando. Um, I go to a lot of teacher meetups in California. Uh, you know, if you join the Facebook groups, you can find you, know, you can find your people locally. And I've even met people just from me T- that live in you know, 50 miles over, you know, down the road, which is, sounds like a lot, but here it's yeah. very uncommon to meet someone 50 miles away that lives in a teeny tiny town like you do. So it's been really cool, yeah. uh, you know, I guess just all over I, I go all over the place. This next year, I'm going to Minneapolis to Happy Go Teach, and I might be going to Nashville next year twice for teacher meetups. And wherever the California meetup is, I always go to that one. It's a huge That's one. Awesome. It's it's amazing. So yeah, they're all. Over.
0: I'm gonna have to invent something because I I li- I don't think I live near almost anyone. There's like. I guess,
1: oh, I bet you do. Where do you live?
0: Oh, so someone's suggesting that we create a fun teaching conference. Heather, I always ruin her name. Uh-huh. Heather Paschal, Pascal Pascal. There know, are why. some
1: really fun ones out out there. I think they're becoming more popular. Not a lot of secondary. I'm a middle school teacher. You teach high school, right? They're yes. all kind of geared towards K five, so I'm sort of getting excited for you know the secondary fun conferences to start. I think they will because it's becoming yeah. a big thing.
0: Yeah, because I'm going to invent it now. Um, so the the Scottish teaching ninja asked, "What do you think of the benefit, or what do you think are the benefits of having fun in class, and do you think it always works?" Um, what would you say today? Do you think it always works? Do you think it's, it's like, why do you do it? What's, what's the draw for you?
1: I mean, there's the right time and right place for everything. You know, you can't have a class party every day of the week. Although I tried once. It didn't turn out that good. I mean, sometimes things blow up in your face, you know, but if you don't try them, you'll never know what you think is fun. So what I used to do um, when I taught fifth grade is I did holiday of the day. So every day there's a new holiday. There's websites to go on. There's probably 10 holidays a day. And we would just celebrate the holiday of the day in my class. And sometimes it would go over really, really good. And everyone would have fun, you know, like National Cereal Day. And we would do like math uh, with cereal, you know. But then some days it it wouldn't go over so well. And it's just hit or miss. Kids are moody. You're moody. It's okay to have have a bad day I think as long as you're trying a little bit to have fun you're doing it right
0: yeah you know and sometimes it's like it's if it's not what you normally do right so like if you're a pretty serious person like I think you should lead with that and that's you can be that person but if you are willing to have fun or or be silly or you have kids that like will go along with doing that then you should do it and you're right like some days I'll go in and I'm feeling great, but I realized that like everyone got yelled at in the class before mine or something bad happened in someone's life that morning. And you know, you have to feel that out. It can't be forced. You can't like, one of the things I learned even being a parent was like, when my kids would fall when they were little, I tried to do that thing where you just try and pick them up and make them laugh right away. And like, ah, you're all right. Ah, It's just a little (laughs) bit of blood. And I remember my wife saying like, no, you need to let them feel the way that they're feeling and and let them have that moment and i think the same thing is in teaching you can't just like try and crack people up all of a sudden like if they're feeling if they're having a tough day like empathize with them be there with them and then you know if you can leave those conferences with like saying something ridiculous so that they laugh before we leave like i'll tell them like okay go ahead and make sure you make poor life decisions now as you walk out of my classroom and that always catches everyone off guard and they're like, "What are you talking about?" and then like,
1: it's a <laughs> yeah, good way I mean, to You got to bring your passion in, whatever it is. Like, I mean, one of my passions yeah. is humor. So, so, you know, I'll tell jokes, tell kid jokes sometimes. And sometimes it goes bad, but I mean, if your passion is rock collecting, which one of my co-workers was a rock collector, he was a geologist in a former life, and he'd bring his rocks to school. It doesn't sound fun maybe to me, but the kids loved it because they can sense your passion.
0: Um, Yeah, I think that is, it's it's so important because yeah, because if you're excited about something, even if it's like fencing or computers or hip hop or or photography, like, like the kids doing that. And as a matter of fact, this year I have like speakers all all lined up for this year to come in that are going to talk to the students about all kinds of different stuff as well that they are passionate about, which is exciting as well. Because um, it, it's not me like doing the Reynolds show all the time, but I get to share the stage a little bit with other people. Uh, CC Moffat asked, what does your administration think of during unannounced observations? Oh, that's a great one. Have you ever had an un- unannounced observation where someone came in and you were being... being completely nothing goofy was happening in class?
1: Um, they usually like it. I've been blessed with really good administrators, except for my first year. It was a nightmare. But my first year is also really more serious. I find that most administrators just want to see that the kids are engaged. They care about that more than they care about, you know, they want to know that the kids are, you know, just not goofing off they want to see them engage. and if you're being silly and goofy they are engaged 100% so I mean even though my administrators have been very serious people you know suit and ties you know coming in the room and maybe I'm being weird sometimes they leave totally straight faced but I never hear anything negative and they usually come back and they're like you did a really great job or something so I feel like I wasn't a total dorko.
0: yeah and which is Right. Because that gets, I, I think sometimes that can be like connected, you're not taking your job seriously. You're not, you're not, this isn't, learning isn't a big part of what you're doing. You're just like having fun in class. And I, I think my room kind of sets the stage for me a lot of times. So I, I have this room that's like, uh, I have a big tree, like an eight foot tree in my room. That's made out of driftwood, all of this like books flying, like hang feeling and stuff. And the funny part was when I did all of that stuff, I didn't ask for permission for any of it. I just did it. And then I hoped that it was going to work out. And now since I'm at a charter school, we always have to privately um, fundraise also. We can't get by with the money that we get from the state because it's not enough. So we fundraise and they always bring the fundraisers, which are always like really rich folks. Some One time a guy had an ASCOT on that walked into my room, but it, was like a, like it wasn't as a joke. Like I would wear it because I want to dress like I'm a character from Gilligan's Island, but comes in with this thing on and uh, they just, the, I think the room kind of speaks for me a little bit where it's like, all right, this is a little bit different in here, but I have definitely had times where folks have come in and I'm like teaching that one time someone came in, I was teaching students how to put tape in each other's hair. Anyone knowing about it, which is you just take the tape and fold it on itself. So it's not sticking to your fingers, and float it in someone's hair. And the bigger the hair, the easier it is to do. <laughs> And then, <laughs> and then everyone knows that if they're walking around school with tape in their hair, like Reynolds, Reynolds obviously did that. And so <laughs> someone came in during that, and I thought, oh, my goodness, this looks ridiculous. But I just own it and keep doing it. I, too, had a good administration. I've never had any blowback from that. But I, I think if you do, if, if – uh, I think, who asked that? Cece Moffitt. So, Cece, I would say if someone ever does have an issue with that, you really just have to go to the – whoever has an issue and say, look, the kids are my primary concern. That's my number one thing. And that if I can make my class somewhere that people want to be and they feel comfortable, then they're going to learn. They're going to have a way of, greater of a chance of learning than like just sitting there quietly. That's, that doesn't equal learning. I've never ever seen that equal learning unless kids are scared to death of the teacher. And, and I am not scary enough. So I have to go with my strengths. Me neither.
1: So, I don't know yeah. why.
0: Um, what is Duck Egg Eye? And what is your favorite or fun lesson or moment so far? What's like one of your favorite moments in that world that you've done so far?
1: Um, I do a lot of fun hands on, you know, STEM activities, but you know, the most fun thing I've ever done, I was actually a student, a teacher, and I've always wanted to do it. I'll tell you guys about the lesson. So it was from my ELA strategy teacher in college. And he came into the room and he was dressed like a chef and he had this table set up with a tablecloth and he had all these ingredients and he starts like, comes in with this Italian accent and starts acting like a crazy Italian chef making an apple pie and, you know, throwing flour on us and he was, he was like, you know splashing ingredients everywhere and using his fingers and he was doing everything wrong but he did it in order to teach the students you know the the writing process and uh how to teach them to write in a chronological order because it was like okay well what did i first do when i first came in and then what happened and then what happened i've always wanted to repeat that lesson that was really the most fun time i've ever had in a classroom and i was an adult and i've always wanted to do it myself but i'm a little bit scared that I won't come up with a good Italian accent. I should work on that. Because I got a shutout, apron, but the accent, its I'm bad with that. So I'm going to work on it some more before I actually do it myself.
0: I think it would be even better if you had if you didn't have a good accent. It would be like even more hilarious and ridiculous. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think that's a great idea. I think as ter- in terms of silly, I mean, a bunch of stuff pops to mind like so i have my guys like every, i teach all boys so it's always my guys so um we did a lesson last year where i had them listen to this poem uh by this poet that i really love called Derek brown and it's called a finger two dots in me and we practiced imagery and so i had everyone lay on the floor or sit somewhere in the classroom you had to close your eyes and uh and then just imagine all of these kind of things that he's he's these visuals that he's creating with words and we learned about imagery through that, or when every time we start learning Shakespeare, I have this lesson called "Why the Hell Does Shakespeare Teach Like That?" And then we take uh, a Snoop song and we I <laughs> give the kids the lyrics to it, and I say you have to circle every single word in here that doesn't that my grandmother would not know what it is. So um, when the pigs try and get at you, pop it like it's hot. Like what is what are pigs? Like are there actual farm animals chasing you around? So <laughs> it's really funny because they get. They just assume people know so much stuff and they don't, and I and so we turn that into a Shakespeare lesson. Or having kids um, sit like five or six in a row deep, and everyone gets up one sixty seconds to write part of a story, and then you have to, without saying anything about it, pass it to the person behind you. They continue it, and they're awesome. I do that too every every year. Every year, hilarious. it. It gets more and more ridiculous as they pass them on because no one knows what the heck is going on in the story so i think they like like your example there's totally ways to teach very real things very real lessons but teach them in a way that like is totally left field like that no one kind of saw coming um so yeah that would be uh two i think we're picking strange user names so that i cannot say it, what is it to oh, oh. Two it to it oh. all right it's to eat to eat it <laughs> as do you ever doubt staying in your professions to the point where you want to leave if so why or why not have you ever not wanted to teach anymore um you
1: know, every year i think every teacher gets a little burned out and they think, am i gonna come back next year that was a horrible day this was the worst day of my life My first year uh, was really bad, I mean I came home every day crying, I had a bad administrator, it was rough. Um, So I think everyone feels like that, but I think for me being a second career and not starting until I was 30, kind of eh, probably put a different spin on things for me because I had a lot of bad jobs, like really bad jobs, and teaching is not a bad job. Like, it's not bad compared to real world, working overnights, working swing shifts, you know, working for minimum wage with no benefits. I mean, that was like my whole 20s. So teaching is a pretty nice career. I encourage people to, you know, just stick it out is every year you can change. You can change schools. You can change what you teach. You can change your location. There's so many things you have control over that you don't really have in the corporate world, which is why I think I kept going with it, and I will forever.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I I think I didn't start teaching until I was 27, so it's, uh, I was like, and I was always working multiple jobs, so I'd be like the greeter at Home Depot, or I'd be, um, I worked a job where I literally was lowered by a crane into a hole and then I would dig the hole deeper. That was my whole job. It's oh, the worst job I ever had. And so That's when sad. I started teaching, I tried to go back to that job the next summer just to make extra cash. And I'm like, I can't do this anymore. The hardest thing I do all day is staple. Like sometimes my hands <laughs> are like cramped up because I stapled too many papers. And it's really, I, I don't, I mean, it, it is, it can be, it's hard on a different level. Like, um you the mental like strain of it so you come home and a kid did the wrong thing at the last moment before you left and you're just like oh, like this is why people drink too much because this is like <laughs> how you this stuff when you come home right you have to learn how to like you have to learn how to, to take care of yourself so that that stuff doesn't destroy you but really it's it's a it's a lot about what you make it even if your school is t- totally hard and they are they feed all of your lessons and you can still make fun out of that I've the only job I've never been able to make fun is I worked at Taco Bell for a while and I hated it so much that I was like I don't even want to have fun here this is miserable but every other job (laughs) I've had even working in the holes I would just like sing dumb songs or like goofy stuff to like because you're in a hole all day like you have to do something to make it fun um what was the other question? Senior S is asking, what's the best strategy for, for when a lesson that you thought would be engaging is a flop? That's that's tough. Uh, what do you do if you think something's gonna rule and then the kids are like, nope, this is we're actually disappointed in you right now because this sucks so bad.
1: You know, I either I either scrap it as soon as I realize it's a failure and bring in a fun lesson that I know isn't. You know, or just roll with it and just chalk it up to kind of a bad day because not every lesson is going to go that well. Sometimes I spend 10 or 12 hours, especially for review time, you know, the principal's coming in, it's my yearly evaluation and I spend all this time and then it's just, it doesn't go the way it's planned. And of course I just, I play it all the way out. But if it's just, you know, oh, well I'm trying this and the kids are all off task they're not engaged. They don't like it. I, I stop class in the middle of class, 10 minutes in the class, whenever I need to, and we do something else. And then you can do that as a teacher. You have that ability. You have so much control to do yeah. those things. You know? It's like you're yeah. a director of your own movie every day.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I guess it might be different if I taught elementary. I'm not sure if I would hand it exactly the same way. But I often just stop and ask the kids, like, why isn't this working? like what could we do to make this better to make it different like why like this is why I thought this was going to be great what are, is your point of view and i think asking students stuff like that and giving them that ownership over the class goes really really far and it stops people in their tracks even if they're being nuts right so like even if you have like you're having a really tough behavioral day and you that will stop kids in their tracks like wait a minute you actually are going to take what i think and then if you make it better with ideas that you got from them, you win. You just like maybe even save the lesson and, and do it the next day. So it's, uh it's. That's
1: a tough. good one.
0: Um, what was the other question? Uh, Miss May, one fab teacher who's one of my favorite human beings in the whole world asked, uh, what drives you and keeps you motivated? What do you think? Um,
1: you know, I think for every teacher, probably the same. The kids, you know, kind of a cliche answer to say the kids, but once you really connected with one, or you you see change or grow in your room, um, or you, you you get that parent letter that says that you change their life. I mean, you just keep going somehow, like, like motivate going. For me, it's always you know that there are certain kids I'll never say which ones that are my favorites. You know we all have our favorites that they just like they lighten your day up they make it fun they make you want to go to school every day and th- those are the things that i focus on when i'm having a rough time usually i love my job but there are days that i'm like oh man or you're sick you don't want to write sub plans so you can go anyway i just find those kids i know are going to make my life easier and make tappy in my classroom I I found that the more I focus on the positive kids, the less the negative kids tend to become a problem. And so so, I don't know the kids, but I know that's kind of probably what a lot of people say. So sorry, Miss May. I wasn't very creative with that one.
0: No, I think you're right. I think it's totally the kids. I mean, I feel like my job is like, I, I don't just feel like it's a profession. I've said this before. Like, I feel like it's kind of missional. Like I, like I figured out, what I'm supposed to be doing. And so there's not really another option. Like, it, it's kind of like, well, what else am I going to do? It's not like my degree lends in anything else. Like, I'm, what am I going to do? Get a business job and be like, well, look, I, <laughs> I worked as a high school teacher for very many years. Like, give me your worst employees and I'll live them in the shape. But like, it, it doesn't work like that. So I don't feel like there's another option for me. And I think that's a really good thing. It, it keeps me focused, it keeps me like, working hard at, at what I do. And I think that of it as a crap. And so, you know, um, I don't remember exactly what that, oh, what motivates me. So, but the students, yeah, like if you're, if you put enough time into it and you start seeing kids like that were in your class, like graduating or coming back to the school or, you know, a family member comes in, that stuff is like, that's, that's all long game goals that you have but when they start coming back and paying off it's like man there have been times when, like students have come back to my house and had dinner with my wife and kids and, and i'm like i'm like fueled for the next month this so this is such good stuff I and agree. so yeah i think just ride it out and you like start seeing that kind of stuff come back um so oh okay
1: uh, oh, man. aurora
0: Zenon, I apologize, Laura. I think your name looks fantastic, though. Um, how do you get a child who is tired and not interested in a lesson to be engaged for the day? I think that kind of matches with another person had a question which said, like, what do you do if someone is too cool for weird or silly? So what do you do in those situations? What if someone's too tired or if they're just, like, not having that? That's, this is not their thing. <laughs>
1: I mean I've had tons of serious kids and I mean teenagers are so moody this was my first year working with 6th 7th and 8th graders and they are just up and down on a roller coaster every day and you just have to like while they're riding their roller coaster you just stay the same all the time you don't match their moods you keep being your silly goofy self and I find that you know the kids who really need that will come to you when they need help, you know? And they'll come to you at the end of the year and they'll thank you for that. And I, I had a really serious kid once in my fifth grade class named Roger. He was just like this little old man, Roger, I'll never forget him. Just very serious. But at the end of the year, you know, he wrote me this letter saying that I was the best part of his day. And I mean, I just thought this kid hated me all year. I was pretty sure of it. But, I mean, it turned out that he actually liked me. He just – some people are more serious, and they don't know how to be goofy, even when they're little kids. And that's, that's okay. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's, it's, its like, either in your DNA sometimes or not, or you just don't know what people are coming from, right? Like, I always tell teachers that, like uh, – and I didn't make this up. I don't know who, who wrote this, but that everyone's fighting a battle that you know nothing about. And so the, I – I have a pretty good gauge of students though. So if I'm doing something really weird and someone's not having it, like I always have like those couple of teenagers that are like super cool. They like sit back real far and they're just like, oh, you're an idiot. I'm not doing this. So I'll either turn it up. Like I'll go to 11 with that kid. And I've had <laughs> students before where I had this kid, Dave, in my class. Dave was super cool. He was a really great football player. Everyone looked up to him. but he never ever laughed at anything. And I told him, I said, you're seriously bringing my self-esteem down like as we speak and I want to be your best friend. So I found this best friend application online and I filled it, like I I had like changed it around a little bit and I filled it all out and I applied to be his best friend but I gave it to another friend of his and I said, look man, Dave's not going to talk to me about this, I want to be his best friend, could you please do this? And that guy brought Dave into a room. They interviewed me. And then we became best friends after that. And seriously, like, he still never laughed at anything. And I used to tell him, like, it's all right if you don't laugh now. We're best friends, man. Like, my wife doesn't even laugh at (laughs) the time. So it's cool. And uh, so.
1: (laughs) That's a great strategy. I love that. I'm going to write that one down.
0: But (laughs) it's like, but if you just go to 11 sometimes or other times I'll just tell kids, like, look, man, I get that this is, like, not your gig. But what I do here is just make the best day that I possibly can. And so you don't, if you're not down with that, that's fine. I don't have to like bring you into that. But like, you know, um, what I just ask is like, don't try Like, just don't dog me in front of everyone. Like I want to just, I'm trying to be a, uh, a, a bright spot in your day. And and I usually get a really good response from that, especially if I do it like just one on one, um, you're Oh, I think. Oh, no, no, I thought your picture froze. Uh, who was the next question? Right here. Um, I want to address one real. So, Melina is said. I I hate most teachers, and all my teachers are afraid of me. Melina, I didn't like one teacher in high school. There was not one person that stood out to me as being like a bright spot in my day. So I cannot even say that I blame you. Um, and I wouldn't say your teachers are necessarily afraid of you, but maybe they don't know how to. To kind of deal, and I'm sorry that you go to that school. I wish you went to our school instead. Uh, what's the next question? Jenny J asked, "Do you get sad when you know that you won't have the same kids in your class next year? Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever get sad that you don't? You're not going to have those same kids in your class next year?"
1: Um, you know, there's always a handful of kids that I'm sad to see go. But I think the greatest thing <laughs> a teacher is that you get, it's like a revolving door of new cool people. Uh, so yeah, I mean, sometimes you're a little sad to see some go and sometimes you're real happy to see some go just the way it just the, the rules of the game. It never gets boring. And that's one thing that I've always had a problem with as an adult is they get bored easily when you're working in a corporate setting, you have your same coworkers sometimes for six, seven, eight years at a time. And they can be real drags as a teacher. You know, you get new coworkers every every hundred and eighty days. Bring them on, brand new coworkers. All right, here we go. Not just coworkers, but I mean, I consider the students to be my coworkers because we're yep. in it together, working towards the same goal. So, I mean, I like it. I like that they leave. <laughs> I know that sounds bad, but I like I like meeting new people. So it's it's a win for me.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, and that's one of the great things about teaching in general is like, and you alluded to this earlier, it's like, if things aren't going well, you could just start over next year. And chances are those kids have no idea who you are. So you can still just be whoever you want to be that year. And the kids will just assume that you were always like this. So just take it from there. I There are always some kids that I am sad to see go, but the great part of my job is I teach most of the ninth graders in our school, because it's a very small school. And so 10th, 11th and 12th grades, for some reason, they always remember my classes being like a hundred times better than it actually was. And so they come <laughs> at me like, Oh, I missed your class so much. And I'm like, dude, you slept all year. Like you never look like you did anything or you complained all the time. And now you're like coming back saying, Oh, I loved your class. And I'm like, Oh, I know, but you know, it'll be all right. And so it's, I, I do have the joy of like having those kids come back and I get to know them as not really their teacher, but just like a mentor for the next three years. And that's super fun because I can – there's not all the classroom baggage. It's like I can just talk to you like a like a, a human being that doesn't also have a grade in my class, which changes things. Um, the Scottish Teaching Ninjas – oh, snap. I just made that go away. Oh, that's my bad. Um, I do want to get – there was another question on here too. Um, Fab asked, what – Uh, She said, last question, I promise. That's all right, Fab. She said, how do you deal with negative people on campus? Um, You're such a kind and fun person. I I think she's speaking to you. So how do you deal with people that are like drag that you work with?
1: I mean, what can you do really? You know, what are you going to try to, you can't force someone to be happy and fun. I mean, I try to see the humor in their life. I try to see what they like and I ask them about it. So, like, if someone, if I have a coworker who's being real nasty all the time, I try to find out, like, what do they like? Like, what makes them happy? And I'll ask them about it. At one of my schools, uh, a, a long time ago, there was, like, a lady who was kind of crabby all the time and found out she really liked leather work. Like, she liked making wallets and carving leather. And so I asked her all about it, and then she was just like Mary Poppins after that. She just was all light on her feet and whimsical everything I wanted so sometimes people just need to know that you care about what they care about or that you like a certain book they like or that you like a certain thing they like and then you, you know so that's kind of what I do but I don't know I've had social anxiety my whole life so I'm probably the wrong person to ask about how to get along with people because I think I just I learn know. to tolerate them and get them to like me and then I move about my merry way
0: yeah I think that's that's a great point, though, that you made because I think most folks, they just want to be listened to, right? Maybe they're never listened to and you give them that space, like ask them questions about them instead of you just talking about yourself the whole time. And I think students, it's you have a kid that doesn't like to talk or doesn't talk very much, but if you ask them about the right thing, like they might just go completely nuts talking about whatever it is they're interested in. I... I've had a lot of coworkers over the years that I, I have this issue where like, I don't really, I can't handle when people don't like me. It just makes me want to try even harder to make you like me. It drives me nuts and I know it's not <laughs> healthy, but, um, I will often like, I'll take, uh, every year, like when my, I get my yearbook pictures back, I cut them all up. And if someone, I feel like is it's, it's kind of geared that way. Like the, like there's, they don't have, we don't have the connection that I'd like to have and maybe they don't even dislike me, but they're just like kind of a bummer. I'll frame pictures of myself and I'll write something nice on it and then I'll put it on their desk. Or I'll take the picture of their children off their desk, like when they're not looking, and I'll put my picture in front of that picture and then <laughs> leave it on their desk. And a lot of times folks don't notice for like a month or more till they're like grading when they're like, What the hell is a picture of Reynolds doing? What does it even say like on it? Or <laughs> I'll collect, uh, we get a lot of like random books donated to the school. And sometimes they're awful. We, I once had like four books that was about a Nazi soldier who fell in love with a Jewish girl during the Holocaust. Right. And the front of it looked like a romance novel. And I'm like, this has got like, (laughs) who wrote this? So I would would, like, like, that's not a real good example, but uh, the other ridiculous books, um, I'll sign the beginning of them, like on the front page, and say like This is like one of my favorite books ever. I really, really loved it. <laughs> I'm get a copy of it, and then I'll leave them in people's mailboxes. And for, like, if you do it with a straight face, no, they're like, kind of. Did you, did you mean to leave this book about like Marilyn Monroe and John F. Kennedy's like uh, love affair in my mail? Yes, I just loved it. I think there's a lot. Of- <laughs> <laughs> So just kind of doing, like, such ridiculous stuff sometimes will, like, break someone. And they're just like, dude, I I'm not getting rid of you. Like, I'm not going to, you know, it's just not, not going to change. So doing stuff like that, I think, helps, too. Uh, is this the question that I missed out before? The Scottish Teaching Ninja is asking, what tips can you give to teachers who want to be more relaxed in class but aren't sure how? That's a really good question. Uh, especially when you're starting out teaching, I think it's particularly tough because you feel like you're supposed to be one way. And like, if you're too lax, you know, the kid's are going to like lose all respect. So how did you start kind of implementing that stuff in your class? Because uh, you said you were like, not so much that person when you first started teaching, right? Like, how did you make the transition?
1: I think it was just being at the right school, the right fit for me. And, you know, having administrators that told me had my back on whatever I wanted to do. And then just getting inspiration from social media, seeing that there was other weirdos out there like me, trying new things, dressing in costumes, wearing disguises, uh, doing just bizarre things. I thought, well, if they could do it, I could try it out too. And you know, it really depends. I mean, it depends on the tone of your class. I mean, last year I taught eight periods a day in junior high and some periods I could come in dressed as a superhero In other periods, I had to tone it down a notch. I mean, you got to know your audience whenever you're delivering any sort of lesson or speech or whatever you want to do. So it's just about kind of knowing those kids and then knowing what they're going to like.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really, really good point. Um, I, and I, I would mirror that with, or kind of just go off of that as saying like, yeah, I've had classes before where I can't, I just can't do the super fun stuff. Like even like the the idea where I had like the kids laying on, on the floor last year, listening to this poem, there was a class that day that I just couldn't do it. And kind of the fun part of that is they hear about it, right? Like, so everyone knows what they're going to do in my class typically before we do it. But when I, stop short of doing that in a class. And I say, I don't, I can't, I literally cannot trust everyone in this class to lay on the floor without touching someone or hurting someone. Like, I just, I don't think that you're there yet. And I don't tell them that we'll never do it or that you're bad and you can't handle it. I'll say, I don't think we're there yet. And if we can get there, we'll we'll start doing stuff like that. And that can have really big effect on your class and help them to kind of like, you know, uh, self-regulate them self regulate themselves is kind of redundant but um that idea of like they are kind of calling the shots on each other uh what did i Amir who is one of my students Amir Williams asked I have a question if being weird or silly isn't allowed would you still teach is there a replacement for silliness or fun um
1: i don't i don't think so i mean i think when you're working with kids it's sort of assumed that silliness and fun are going to go hand in hand. I mean, because children aren't miniature adults; they're children, kids are, and teenagers too. I mean, they. they this is a part of their personality. There's a reason they like cartoons and silly jokes. It it goes with their development, and that's why I chose this profession. Is because my personality matches where they're at in their development. So I couldn't imagine a world where it wasn't allowed. I mean, maybe some sort of communist regime or something, but I probably wouldn't work in a place like that. So
0: yeah, I can't imagine it. You know, part of me would say yes, to some extent, right? Because it's, it's about the kids, right? It's not just about me. So it's like, uh, I want to be there for the students that I want to be there for, but I don't think, I just don't think that would happen. because I, I I because I think I'd figure out a way no matter what. So like even in the most boring PD that I've ever had to sit through in my life, I figured out some way to like do something to amuse elf, like if I wasn't interested because we were watching the same thing we watched the last three years, like I'm not interested in it. So I figure out ways to like have fun or make people laugh or do something. And I just think when you're, if you're that person, you can figure that out anywhere. Like you figure something fun out. If you miss your flight, if you're waiting too long in a restaurant for your food, if you're sitting with your kids in a doctor's office and it's super boring, like you just, that's part of who you are. So you just start figuring stuff out to do and and I, yeah. So I I don't think that could happen is my my answer. Um, Jackie, is it Jackie Osaki? That's a great name. Did I get it right? <laughs> nice. Thanks. Um, there you go. Uh, what are your thoughts on direct instruction? What are your thoughts on schools that only use direct instruction? Um, I'm not exactly sure that I know what that means. Do you know what direct instruction is?
1: I guess I'll just assume that they're talking about you know the teacher, the sage on the stage, the teacher that sits there the whole, whole class and they don't ever break into groups or do any kind of group work or it's just and there are schools like that. I have heard of schools. I actually have a friend, well, an old friend that went to school where she has to read a script every day from the time she gets there till the end. There is a script and she has to read every word on the script. So I mean it's I think it's really going out of style. I don't think it's very popular anymore. You need communication and collaboration. But I don't know.
0: But I feel, so I think my the neighborhood school, the neighborhood that I live in, the teachers, like, every teacher, it is complete. The elementary school is completely planned out so that, like, on February 2nd at 2 p.m. Everyone's teaching the exact same thing at the exact same time. And if the kids don't get it, we got to keep the train keeps moving. Like you better jump off or whatever, like get together because we're going to keep going. And I, you know, I think some schools that is we're getting away from that. I know my school, I have complete autonomy in the classroom. I can do anything I want. I can teach any books that I want. I can teach however I want. So even if there's different ninth grade teachers, we don't, none of our classes look very much the same, but, um, I can see schools getting like, they get, I, my sense is that they get nervous of like, uh, well, what am I supposed to do that? Like, you know, we want all the, the test scores are so important to them that of course they're going to regulate every single other thing and, and make it so that like literally a machine, like a robot could go in and do it and you get your results that you want. So I, but I think, you know, I've had this conversation with my wife before. I think if I did teach in a school like that, I'd still figure out a way to kind of work around it. And I, and I think that because I've dealt with other teachers that are figuring that out. They're like, look, when no one's looking like I'm doing what I want. And then like, it's the old ask for forgiveness instead of permission situation. And
1: exactly. Yeah.
0: And if you have tenured at a school, you have an even better chance of like getting away with some of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, ever
1: I, I can get
0: yeah do you do you know or that one oh. Uh, ta, ta class I'm going with that as do you have a funny memory from uh, meet the teacher night so like back to school night or something like that have you ever had anything kind of like nuts happen
1: well, a few years ago I had a lady come in and start smoking in my classroom, I was like, "What? Where do you think you are right now? What is and It was really, really awkward to have to explain her. Why she couldn't smoke inside a school in my classroom, and she got pretty huffy. And I had to, I had to call an administrator and have her leave. She wouldn't put out her cigarette, so that was the weirdest. Like, I don't think it was, fun. It was just like What's happening right now. Yeah. So, that would be for me that would be the number
0: one yeah i've had a lot of stuff i had a mom once um breastfeed in front of me that she wasn't breastfeeding she removed the part that needed to be removed and then picked the child up and i just remember thinking like i don't i don't know how i'm supposed to react to this but it just <laughs> got really all of a sudden i had who came in that was very angry and he sat down in the chair and he sat back so hard that the back of the chair broke and he literally flipped out of the chair. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> like if you were pissed before, like it's all downhill from here. I had uh, someone come in and tell me, oh, we, I had a dad come in and told me uh, that my, we just found out that we were having a little girl and told me, Well, do you know how you have a little girl instead of a little boy? Like these are the steps you take. And I thought, no, I, I never want (laughs) to. This is the worst conversation ever. And that's horrible. Had a lot of that kind of craziness happen. Um, And it just it makes me happy for the nights when that kind of stuff doesn't happen. I'm like, wow, this was so night. Um, What was the next one? It's not a funny one. So. Bethany Jane asked, I'm still in high school, and I got bullied last year, and I told the teacher, and it made it worse. How do you handle a kid being bullied? Um, I just made a whole video about this, actually, and uh, but, and most of my answers are just, like, because I got bullied. I got literally in a fight or got my ass kicked every single day of freshman year. Um mm-hmm. So what do you, how do you deal with that in your school? Or is it an issue or not an issue in your school? What's your take on it?
1: You know, our school is so small. Everyone knows each other's names. The principal knows everyone by name. And so I feel like the kids feel that they can connect and they can confide in at least one of their teachers. Because they have eight teachers out of eight people you can one person to connect with but in previous schools where I've been the only classroom teacher you know I would just always recommend to a kid that you know if you feel like your teacher is really ignoring you and your requests you've got to tell your parents you've got a school counselor I mean tell whoever it takes because sometimes teachers can be blind to bullying mean sometimes I haven't seen it and, and you know I I feel like I wasn't turning a blind eye, but it was happening in ways I didn't imagine. So, I mean, you got to go and tell as many people as you can, because you shouldn't ever feel uncomfortable to be at school. So even don't ever feel like you're being a snitch or a your teacher. Go tell your principal, your vice principal. Schools have so many levels of people you can go to. Use those levels. Even if it's the lunch lady, you know, start telling adults. That's what I would do.
0: Yeah, I I would too. And I think because if you don't, it's going to be even worse, but I get it. Like I remember, you know, I think a lot of times I oversee or I overlook bullying because when you're 14 and something happens, you, your skin is just not very thick most of the time, right? You have such thin skin that everything hurts. And I know that that was part of my gig as a young person was I'd never been through anything really, really hard before. And Now it's like, if someone told me I was dumb when I was 14, I'd be like, Oh, that hurt my heart. And now I'm just like, well, you know, you might be right. I have no idea. So, you know, it's, it's easy to overlook that stuff as an adult, but as a student, I get it. Like, you know, if you tell a teacher and they, and they like yell at that kid instead of like having to sit down and actually talking to them about it, trying to figure out what's going on, you know, you might get beat up even worse. You know, I think all of my students go by the snitches get stitches rule that you don't tell on anyone for anything. So it can take a lot of work to get it out of kids. But, you know, uh, to Jenny, I would say, you know, make sure that you are talking to someone. Like, figure out who the greatest teacher in the school is, who's the nicest, who's the most caring, and then tell them like, look, this is what I want out of this. Like, have an idea of like, do you not want the principal, you know, uh, like pulling the kid into the office, like tell, tell them some of what you want to see also because of what you're afraid might happen. And I think that's, you know, instead of just telling them and letting, letting them do whatever due process is like, give, give, inform them a little bit. So, Oh, it was Bethany. Oh, this is a different question. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, next question is, and and so I would also say, was that Bethany you said Bethany, if you have a question, if you want to talk further about that, you can go ahead and email me. And I'd be happy to have that conversation with you um, if that wasn't like enough of an answer. Um, Jenny J. asked, how long did it take to get a teaching job once you decided that you wanted to be a teacher? Um, did, Did it take you a while since you're living in such a small place or did you travel there because of the job or what?
1: Um, I was living in a really big city when I got my teaching license, uh, school district of you know, 60 elementary schools and I ended up meeting my husband who's a gold miner. And that's why I moved to the middle of the desert. And it's really different living in a rural community because they don't hire you unless they know you. So I really had to start from the bottom I had many jobs in my old city of a hundred thousand people. I now, you know, was having problems. So I started as an admin assistant in a computer lab working part-time. And, you know, then that went to full-time. And, I mean, it took me a whole year to get my foot in the door. Uh, but I, I feel like, you know, if you're, if you're really drawn to a school district or you have to work in a certain school, you know, try doing yeah. something below your pay grade to get your foot in the door and prove yourself to them that you're okay. That's what I had to do. So it took me yeah. probably a year and a half to get a teaching job had uh, gotten my license
0: i was lucky enough to get the two jobs that i first interviewed for and i actually had to pick between them but and that's real funny because one of those was in a very very affluent district it was very very nice school they had like this eight foot fish tank when you walked in the in the school School. that wasn't like to anything it was just like sitting there no one's gonna bother it and then the school was in camden new jersey which is occasionally rated the most dangerous city in the country. And so I, that was, that was where I wanted to teach though. Like I've always wanted to teach somewhere that like uh, needed good teachers, right? I didn't have to be, you know, the superhero of the school, but like, I just felt like if you need good teachers, that's where I want to go. And I got that job quickly as well. But you know, if you, I always tell folks like if you have trouble finding a teaching job, go to those schools that no one else is applying to. Like they all like schools in the inner city always have openings every year. They might have openings in the middle of the year, if it's particularly tough and that, because it doesn't mean it's going to be tough for you. It just means it was tough for someone else. And I, you know, I find that the two schools I worked at, I had a lot more autonomy than anyone else that I knew. I never had, I had like a fraction of the parent, like angry parent phone calls about like a grade on a test or something like that. It was, there was a lot of freedom there and it made it a lot more fun for me because I didn't feel like no one was breathing down my neck. My principal would literally look the classroom. And I think he's, when he saw that, like nothing was fire, he was like, all right, everyone's in their seat and looks to be doing something. I'm on to the next class. Cause they had bigger problems to, to deal with then. Um, yeah. Um,
1: yeah. My so, first job was on a native American Indian reservation. And so that's like, if you're ever, you know, if you're looking a, you know, I can't get a job. A lot of uh, native reservations have positions open. It's really hard getting qualified workers to those areas. So that's for new teachers that can't find a job. I always suggest, you know, check out, you know, those areas as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, that's a really great, I've actually, I've thought about that in the past, uh, doing that. But, um, and the idea I was South Dakota, but then I went to South. And it's way too cold in the winter, so I, <laughs> I didn't do that. Um, so before we go, let me ask you, what are you looking forward to? Did you start school yet for the year?
1: No, next, next Thursday, start PD. And then the next Wednesday, we actually start school. So got a couple okay. weeks.
0: Is there anything you're particularly excited about in this school year?
1: Well, I mean, I got a new job as a digital literacy coach. So it's just what is that going to be? I have no idea. It's a whole new career path. I don't know if I'm going to love it or hate it. So I'm just, I'm excited to help teachers use technology. That is my goal this year is to just learn more and more and more tech because I, I really do feel that it makes your life easier and it's what's best for kids using the technology. If you have it, you know, it's just my belief. So I'm excited.
0: Yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm. I'm decided. I decided the end of last year that this will be my best school year that I've ever had, and so I've been actively working all summer to like figure out ways that that's actually going to happen. So I'm excited to see how this year is going to unfold because last year was. It was. I mean, there were very very hard things that happened last year, but overall such great stuff happened. I can't, I literally cannot wait to see what this year is going to have kind of play out. So, um, just before we go, can you tell everyone where they can find you on social media?
1: I'm the whimsical teacher pretty much everywhere on Instagram, the underscore whimsical underscore teacher and on Twitter, whimsical teacher, the whimsical teacher at gmail.com kind of in blogs right now. So don't go looking for me there, but yeah, just the whimsical teacher. That's me. Nice.
0: I really, really appreciate you coming on this conversation. And I I think it brought a lot of great stuff up that I haven't been able to talk about yet. So I appreciate it. So for for everyone who's watching, um, go check out the Whimsical Teacher. And next week on Tuesday, Tuesday, we have Smarty Style from YouTube coming on. I'm interested to speak with her about a number of different topics we've been like texting one another about. So, yeah, that's it. Jess, thanks so much. I really, Bye. really appreciate it. You have Thank a great you night. Girl. All right. Thanks so much, guys, for for asking questions. If we didn't get to your question, if it got lost in the sauce somewhere, go ahead and leave it in the comment section below, and I will promise to get back to you at end. Uh, check us out next Tuesday with Smarty Style. Uh, I, I'm not exactly sure what we're talking about yet, but I have a couple of ideas, and it might get interesting. And guys have a great night peace and that's it for this week gang look if you ever want to have your question answered on sunday night teacher talk all you have to do is show up at 5 p.m eastern standard time on my youtube channel real rap with reynolds and i'd be happy to answer any question that you put out there nothing is off the table thanks so much for your support we really really appreciate it and i hope you have a great week peace